Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I'm so happy to have my guest with me tonight. All my guests have been special, but I have to say he's probably more special than any of the others because I've known him before he was born. Brett Neal is my first cousin. Our moms were sisters, and like me, Brett was born in a, a small farming community, Adrian, Missouri. Growing up on the farm allowed him to learn the, the value of hard work and hard play and lots of other really good things. And We didn't really know each other very well when we were growing up. I'm 10 years older than Brett. But he had a successful sales career and then went on to operate his own business. And then within the last several years, we've gotten to know each other and found out we like each other and we get along well. And we have the same growing understanding about God. So just a wonderful time for me to have Brett with us. So, Brett, hello and welcome. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm even better now that you're on here. Brett and I share so many same memories of uh, our grandparents' farm and the different things that went on there and just wonderful stuff. But we're on a different subject tonight. So as I do, starting out with all my guests, Brett, I want to ask you, how is your growing understanding of God's unconditional love and grace and inclusion for all people? How's that changed your relationships? People at your company, neighbors, friends, family, how's it changed you where the rubber hits the road? Well. I would say that for the most part, it changed it for the better. There are some that, as you know, kind of write you off when they find out that you believe in grace, even though they talk grace, they really don't understand it. But if you just happen to mention that you really believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, like the Bible says, like 75 times, they just kind of discard you and put a hand up and don't want a lot to do with you, you know, so, but on the other hand, it's opened up some tremendous relationships with people that I don't think would ever have listened about God's love before, because they've heard all the standard stuff, and they just can't buy it. Kind of amazes me that unchurched people see all the fallacies in the church and the teachings, but when you start sharing them about how the love of God and how much, how he really cares for and loves them, They're open, and I've had people say to me, I can believe in that, God. So as a whole, it's been great. Wouldn't change it for anything. Well, that God is the God that we've come to know, as Jesus calls him in uh, John 17, 3. It is the only true Father. And Jesus says, you know, this is eternal life, which is not where we go sometime in a sweet by and by up there somewhere. It's right now. And so when we know Papa and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, when we know them intimately, personally, then we're able to experience the kind of life that Jesus came to give us. And it is completely different. And as you said, people can believe in that kind of God. I call him the good God as opposed to the 
not good God that religion teaches us about. And boy, that's really true. Non-church, non-religious people see that and they can relate to that. Give us some examples. You don't have to mention names if you don't want, but people that you've talked to and situation maybe that they were in and how the light came on in their eyes when you shared what God's really like. One of that stands out to me, one of the most was Linda and I were on a cruise a couple of years ago, back before everything shut down. And I was standing one night after dinner, standing by the bar area there and talking. And the guy came up to me and he grabbed my cross on my deal. And he said, what is that? And I said, well, it's cross. He said, you believe in Jesus? And I said, well, yes. He said, are you a Christian? I said, probably not in the way you think about it. You know, I said, if you're talking about what you see on television and all that, no, I'm not. But if you mean, do I believe that there is a God who loves us and gave everything for us, for all of us, and that he's in the process of redeeming all of mankind and nothing you can ever do can ever separate you from him? Yes, I am. He's like, good enough for me. He'll buy me a drink, you know? So, Later, though, his wife came up and we were talking and uh, comment. She said, you know, I love Jesus, but I hate God. And I said, well, you know what? I'm probably with you because I probably don't like the God that you're talking about either. And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, the God that you're talking about is this God in heaven that doesn't want anything to do with you because you're not perfect and because you just don't meet up to his standards. And she said, right. I said, well, what if I were to tell you that actually Jesus and God are the same person? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. The only thing better about God is he's better than Jesus, according to Jesus. I said, that God loves you totally unconditionally, and he will never do anything except for try to draw to you to him and love him. And so at that point, I gave her one of Baxter's. My book wasn't out yet. I was actually working on it on that ship. And I gave her one of Baxter's pamphlets, Parable of the Dancing God. And I said, take this and read it. So she took it and read it. And the next night I ran into her and she held, brought it to me. She goes, you know, this changed my life. Come to find out the day before they got on the cruise, she had buried her best friend. Who was fairly young. Mm -hmm. And she was angry at God because of that. But by reading Baxter's book and us talking, she began to understand that God still loved her, had nothing to do with anything else, that he was love. So that's one of my favorite experiences. And I've had lots of those all over the country, all over the world, being able to sit down with people and just share with them about Christ and about the fact that he actually loves them, period. And I've never had anybody look at me and say, I don't want to hear that. Every time I've been able to share with them like that, they all walk away saying, I can believe in that God. Well, that's good. Brett, since I know you, I know that you were involved in church pretty much all your life, very involved, and you had a heart for other people. Prior to coming to the understanding that you have now, what would you have said and how would you have approached somebody like that before who came up and asked if you were a Christian? A lot differently. I would have told them <laughs> definitely yet, yes. And then I would have tried to probably lead them down the Roman road or ask them, God, Jesus, we're knock on the door today instead of why, well, you know, my heaven or, or done one of those type of things, you know. Yeah. I had been through all of those programs. Uh, like you say, I was very involved in church. I was on every committee that there could be. 
I was a Christian. I was a believer. At the same time, I lived the way I viewed God. And I viewed God was we had to do certain things to be right with him. And if we didn't, he was disappointed in us or he would reject us. And so I'll never forget, gosh, probably 40 years ago, at least around 40 years ago, I was working with a guy and got to know him pretty well. And I was sharing the gospel with him and talking to him. And he asked me a question. He said, well, if I get saved, do I have to tithe? Well, my response was yes. And, you know, he never came. He he was that close. (laughs) I don't know where he's at now, but I've always prayed, Lord, I hope you put somebody in front of him that wasn't as stupid as I was (laughs) and knew how to answer that question better. But I remember his name. I always remember the situation. So I was very, I want to say judgmental is a pretty good term. But it was a righteous judgmental, so it was a good one, you know. Yeah, a self-righteous one. Yeah, yeah. So, One of the things that this, uh, I don't have a name for it yet, and, and probably it's a good thing not to have a name, because then we'll get categorized and pigeonholed, and we'll want to form an abomination and incorporate it and have uh, rules and stuff. But one of the things that just seems to pretty easily go away as we come to understand that God loves everybody and he's in everybody and his grace covers everybody. One of the easiest things for me to let go of has been judgment Uh, because, man, I was Mr. Judgment. And if, you know, if you weren't like me, if you didn't go to my church, if you didn't believe what I believed, if if you had a different uh, lifestyle than I have or whatever, I judged you the way I thought God judged you. And boy, have I found out that God's not in the judging business. He, Jesus finished work at the cross. He judged us all right with him. End of judgment story. I think they call that good news, don't they? I do too. I think God's in the correcting business and he's constantly correcting me and challenging me. And when I say and do things now, he has to say, now, wait a second. You're preaching grace and you're teaching grace, but you're not showing much of it right this moment. You know, and so I think he's constantly correcting us. And I think all of God's quote unquote judgment or punishment or what will always correct to build and make us stronger and not to tear us down and, and destroy us. And so one of my favorite songs, I, I love Willie Nelson. You, you know, you know that a lot. And I got to read it. He wrote a song years ago, says, you can't have your hate and Jesus too. Probably one of the best gospel songs ever written. And it's a song that probably all churches ought to have have to sing every Sunday because we find ourselves, we're preaching love, but we pick groups of people that it comes across like we hate them because of the way we do it. And in my life group, not long ago, a very, very good friend of me kind of called me out on something. He was right because I'm a passionate person. So now that I realize that God's grace and the freedom that it gives me, I want everybody to experience that. And so sometimes I can be so passionate in that, that I actually come across no different than I was 20 years ago, just doing it under the name of grace. And he made the statement, you know, he says, I love that you're passionate. I understand that. I understand you want everybody to believe like you do, but we're not all there yet. And I thought, okay, Lord. And so From that, I started trying to learn 
to begin to teach and share by questions. Because I think that's what Jesus did. Jesus, most of the time, taught through questions. And so I'm trying to learn to teach through questions and let people discover that way rather than I'm kind of one of those that I know I'm right. You know, I'm never wrong. And so I really want people to understand that. (laughs) But I'm learning. And thank goodness God is grace. So, Yeah. Isn't it wonderful that as he does correct us, at least my experience is it's always in a loving way. It's never condemning. It's never harsh. It makes me want to change whatever it is that he's showing me that I'm not doing right instead of wanting to put my fist up and saying, yeah, I'll show you, which that doesn't work real well with God, I've found. Right. Exactly right. So, like I say, it's just been interesting to learn, and, and it takes time because I find myself still sometimes when I pray and do things, I catch myself and say, Lord, forgive me for praying that way. But it takes time to learn that God does love us and that he wants the best for us in everything that we do. And I pray every day when I get outside and act out of the way he would want me to act, that he will correct me. Because I know it's going to be in a loving, caring way, like I would with my grandchild. I don't have to fear him in the sense that I'm scared of him. But at the same time, my respect for him is so great that I want him to grab a hold of me and whatever it takes to get my attention and to wake me up and to let me start seeing people. You know, it's one of those things we have to see God as other people's fathers. I think as George McDonald says it, you can't see him as your father until you see him as their father. And that's helped me a lot because we're judgmental. I don't care who you are. We are a judgmental people. And we can, when we see somebody out in the street, that's not dressed like us or that's there, you know, whatever the case may be, it's easy to judge or to get a preconceived notion. But I'm trying now to look at that person and, and say, God, help me see them the way you see them. And I know you see them as your child that you love, that you care about, that's hurting, and you want them to have the best. You want them to have that Aeonian life now, that abundant life now, not just when they're dead and gone, but you want them to have it now. So so I'm working on it. Not there yet, but I'm working on it. Me too. And that's so well said, Brett, because that's the telltale sign that people know the real God, the good God, the only true God and know what he's like, and and know what he's like as our father, is when we start seeing everybody else as his children, and we start seeing Christ in everyone, whether they've even heard the name Christ before, or whether they've ever been involved in a religious organization, and it's, we touched on before, it's probably a good thing that, uh, in most cases, that they haven't been, but when we start seeing Christ in everyone and see that spark of divine life, divine nature in them. When we see that, and then when we talk to them, as you just showed how you do, it resonates. I think the Holy Spirit in us resonates with the Holy Spirit in them, even if they've got all kinds of baggage and garbage. And something in them goes, I know there's something here, or I know this is true, or that rings true with me or something. And uh, it makes life 
a whole lot easier relating to other people, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it does. Just recently, I was in a grocery store parking lot, came out, and there was a, a young man standing there, and I don't remember if he was selling something, begging for money. Something, he needed money anyway, but I gave him some money, and we talked a little bit. And he asked me, he said, you know, because are you a preacher? I said, no. I said, why would you ask? And he said, well, he said, you're just different. And I thought, you know, I hope I'm different to more people. And like you say, I think that's that spirit bearing witness, learning to look people in the eye and talk to them. And I think it's, I think it's Rob Bell that wrote the book, Wherever You Are, Be There. And that helped me a lot, learning to wherever I'm at, try to be there, be with that person, look them in the eye, even if it's just a 15 or 20 second conversation, but actually be present in the moment. And that's hard for me because I'm a multitasker, you know, to sit here and watch you on this screen and not be doing five other things is tough for me, but uh, I'm learning and I'm learning it, you know, with, with my customers, with my friends, when I go to dinner, I try or lunch, I don't like to take my phone with me. I want to be there and be with that person. And just for that few moments or a few minutes or whatever it is, truly pray that God will show me something during that time that I can be an encouragement to them and lift them up. So. Well, and I know that he does because I've been in those situations with you and that it does change. You know, I'm a multitasker too, type A, hard driven person. And uh, even though I'm 10 years older than you, I'm a slow learner, but I I eventually do get there. (laughs) And uh, we're almost out of time for this interview, Brett. We're going to do another one that people will see a week later. But as we finish up with this one, tell people a little bit about your book. Have a grand and glorious day what it's about, and tell them where they can get a copy. Well, it's called yeah. Have a Grand and Glorious Day. I actually wrote it for something that I wanted to have to give away. Last week, we were in Nashville, and every time we'd go out to eat or something, I would take my book and write a little note in it and try to leave a double tip and give it to people. Just people, wherever I go, I try to hand it out and give it to them. It's a real short book, maybe an hour to read, but it's just about life and things that will help us in all different areas of our life. And mainly, it's just helping us to understand that God wants us to have that abundant life now. And it's just practical purposes. You know, it's just common sense stuff. I have a young man, a bartender over in Jinx here, and, and I gave him one one time to read him. Next time I saw him, he said, you know, he said, every kid in America ought to have to read that book. And so I believe it's a good book, even though I wrote it, and I've not done a great job of publishing it. I like I say, give a lot of them away. I have people call and, and buy several at a time. And so one of the best ways to get a hold of me is through Facebook and just Brett Neal, N-E-I-L. You can message me through there or something and I can send them to you. They're on Amazon, I believe. And then I have a website that's just called grandandgloriousday.com that you can order through there. But I would prefer get a hold of me through Facebook. I don't try to make any money off the books at this point. I just try to sell my I think if you buy like, I can send you 25 of them out for about a hundred bucks in that area, you know? And so about $5 a book, actually. I think I sent 20 out there, a hundred dollars shipping and everything. But if you just need one, or if you can't afford one, I mean, I'll send you one. It's a book that to me, it's just great for young people, especially, but older people too, to read and just get a grip on life of what's going on around us. And that life's not perfect and we don't have to be perfect. And there's some things we don't understand, but that's okay. We just need to learn to trust. 
We do indeed. And it is a great little book, uh, which I got several copies from you and uh, given them away. And I continue to give them away here and there. And it's a wonderful book. So, hey, well, we're going to close up now and we'll record another episode that you guys will see and hear a week later. We'll be sitting in the same place. We'll be wearing the same shirt. Our hair will be combed the same way. But don't think that we've just sat here for a week when you hear this a week later, because <laughs> we're actually going to record it in just a few minutes. Brett, thanks again. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Love you, brother. You too. And thank you all for being with us for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.